You're listening to Supervision with a Vision, where we discuss all things supervision. I'm your host, Sarah, professional counselor, marriage and family therapist, play therapist, eating disorder specialist, and cookie lover, with my co-host, Heather, marriage and family therapist, certified together in Texas counselor, a Texas transplant from California, and outdoor adventurer. Welcome to Supervision with a Vision. Today, Heather and I are talking about working with internalized racism. This week, we read Working with Internalized Racism, published in Psychotherapy Networker 2020. Heather, I really liked this article because, uh, for many different reasons, but uh, because it also incorporated internal family systems Mm -hmm. into the article. And we're not going to discuss that a lot. It was an interesting part of the article. One of the first points that we noticed when reading the article was the importance of increased awareness and how that can impact feelings of guilt and shame. Right. If you're able to see for yourself and have an awareness of some actions or behaviors, you then uncover that are biased. It can easily bring up shame or thoughts of like, oh, I don't like that about me. Well, it makes sense. Why people avoid, become defensive, are hesitant Mm -hmm. to address Mm -hmm. the ways that they might have been biased or discriminatory in some way. It's because it brings up all those yucky feelings of guilt and shame. It brings up ideas that we don't want to think impacted Mm -hmm. who we are in the world. Right. Well, we'd rather leave them covered up and hidden. Right. I have kind of a silly example of that. And I don't know that it's feelings of guilt and shame, but probably embarrassment. Okay. I think I was probably 11, 10, 11, 12. And a friend gave me what was very cool back then. She gave me a pair of gold hoop earrings Mm -hmm. for my birthday. Awesome. They were totally modest. They were, I mean, not giant, not too flashy. They were just what all the other girls my age were wearing. And it was a cool gift that she gave me. I never wore them. How come? Because in my head, one, I thought if I wore them, I would look like a Tejano singer. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) And the part that makes me think about it and laugh right now is that I wouldn't say this because it makes me feel kind of embarrassed, kind of like maybe shameful, guilty, is that no, I didn't just think it would make me look like a Tejano singer. I thought it would make me look like Selena. Okay. And back then, oh, no way I would have said out loud that I thought it would make me look like Selena because Selena was so beautiful and so amazing. I would never say that I could look like her. Right. But I did not wear those earrings ever, ever. I probably still still have them somewhere because I thought that this little piece that you were holding on right to. yeah that I would I just wouldn't acknowledge that mm-hmm. I wouldn't let anyone see that that was something that I felt or thought right so rather than be aware of it I just hit it mm-hmm. just put that aside I don't mm-hmm. want to really acknowledge that mm-hmm. and didn't in- have much impact or much yeah like- probably no well my poor friend I thinking back I hope she didn't notice that I never wore them or right. I, I hope she didn't think like why didn't Sarah wear my earrings right yeah it was an awareness and I, I do think it was cultural that not mm-hmm. just did I not want to think anyone to think that I could possibly look like Selena, but that specifically I didn't want to look like a Tejano music singer. Wow. Um, can you think of any ways or situations where you recognize that bringing something to light means having to acknowledge that you thought it or felt it and that that would be embarrassing, I shameful? Think, yeah, I think we've talked about this a little before, but I grew up in a very culturally not diverse community, mm-hmm. all a lot of white families, which at the time I would never have thought as a good 
good or a bad thing. It just was. Mm -hmm. When I went to college and I started making friends with different people, especially guys of different races, it was something I would have never in a thousand years shared with my parents. I don't know that they know. This might be Mm -hmm. something brand new for them to learn. But it was because I was embarrassed. Like I knew that my parents, that wasn't acceptable in Mm -hmm. their world. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I knew that I would have to face those things. I have some of the best friends from those situations that brought that out in me. Mm -hmm. But it would have, I would, I would have carried it with such secret. Like it was a secret. Mm -hmm. And I think there are things like that, that I look back over my past because of my upbringing that I would have never told or shared or. I hearing you say that it was two secrets in one. It was a secret from your parents, your, Mm -hmm. your immediate family, your world that you came from, but it was also a secret in your new world, your new friends that you couldn't let them know that it was a secret with your parents. Very complicated. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, kind of to our point, tricky to maintain and keep up. Oh yeah. But you did that to protect from those Everybody. feelings of embarrassment, right. guilt, mm-hmm. shame. Heather, the, the second point that we read about in our article was unburdening parts. Mm-hmm. Now we talked about that parts in internal family systems means your inner sub-personality. So pieces of you that create the greater whole. And if we're talking about unburdening them, that means allowing those experiences to be expressed, talked about, shared, shine through, right. and not defining them as negative or positive, but neutral. They mm-hmm. just are. They're just pieces. Mm-hmm. Uh, so related to this, working through internalized racism, what would that look like? How do you, ima- maybe even more complicated, how do you imagine that working in supervision? I mean, that's a, it's a complicated concept, but at the same time, if you're able to help your supervisee pinpoint a piece of them that felt a certain way or felt um, a bias in a certain mm-hmm. situation, if you can water it down for them enough to let them know that it's one specific piece of them and how that changes their thought process, how that changes mm-hmm. who they are in the counseling room. Right. How it changes everything they come in contact with. Right. I think it's, it's definitely a skill. I would love to probably do some more work on that myself for my supervisees, for my clients, but I think it's an important piece to look at that. If you can unburden that for them and help them figure out what it is, then you're able to help them make steps to, I don't know what the right word is, can reconsolidate, re- mm, reconfigure, reconfigure, make that a part of themselves, the bigger whole that makes sense, is congruent, that right. fits, that they're happy with. Now, right. I think about the way that I do that in supervision is acknowledging that I'm doing it. And I think when I think about that, I realize that in other professions, that would be really unusual. Right. Yeah. It's a mental health right. thing. And when I say, hmm, I'm thinking about that, or I'm really working on that, or I think I'm changing how I'm thinking about mm-hmm. something, specifically in a supervision role or a management role, I think that would be very unusual and make some people uncomfortable in right. other business settings. Right. I can see where it could be very off-putting. But I think when I'm doing consultation or supervision or staffing with a supervisee, counselor, clinician, I think I'm saying that to help them see that we can be vulnerable, mm-hmm. that it does take work and time, right? that it changes how we look at it through that process. It changes how we are counselors, how we provide and interact with other people. Right. Heather, what about the idea of legacy burdens? This was a point in our article. It talked about the idea that the interactions we have are parts, the emotions that we have, the experiences we have are not just ours, but a legacy Mm -hmm. of interactions and experiences. Right. And I think that goes to a bigger context. You and I can grow up in the same space, but have different experiences. We can have different ways of seeing the world based on what we have lived already. Mm -hmm. One story actually from growing up that I remember, my grandfather was telling us a story one Thanksgiving, and I didn't have a lot of contact with him. I only got to see him maybe once or twice a year. Mm -hmm. He was a quiet guy, but when he told stories, everyone wanted to listen. And he was telling 
telling a story about a friend of his. He was describing his friend and he was a strong guy and they laid bricks together and he was telling the story. And then he kind of really emphasized the point that he was a black man, but he was a good black man. Oh. And I can remember, I, I was pretty young. I was probably about 12 or 13 sure. when he told the story. I remember going, oh, that's important. Yeah, that was a uh, note in right. the story. But I wasn't sure why. Like I didn't mm-hmm. really, wasn't old enough to know historical context in Oklahoma City. It stuck with me for so long and it's become something, I mean, I've talked to my cousins about it. I've talked to my parents about it. Does everybody remember that the same way that mm-hmm. I remember mm-hmm. that? It was so important for him to say that to us. And I thought, why? And after he said his name, we knew who he was talking about. Yeah. It didn't need to be so defined. Uh-huh. But for my grandfather, it that was, was an like important part of the story. very important that he mm-hmm. make sure that that was heard. And he kind of paused to make sure everyone in the room like was focused. Looking back, I'm, I wish I could still talk to him and be like, do you remember that? Yeah. <laughs> do you remember that story? I need to know a little more there. Was yeah. that intentional? Well, for sure, it's bias. Right. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) It's confusing what his meaning was on the surface, like his conscious meaning. Right. Then understanding what his subconscious meaning is would be something different. But it's a true reflection of legacy within my dad's side of the family. That was of important to note, important thing for you to pay attention to. In my family, I think about legacy burdens. And I think, I mean, you and I are giving specific examples of our families, which means that every other family has these specific Uh examples. Uh, The meaning in my family of speaking Spanish Mm -hmm. is so confusing and complex and has all these layers and has a lot to do with when my family came to, well, debatably, the United States, (laughs) Texas. For a lot of them, it was already defined as Texas when they came to Texas. Their experiences of that and that transition and what it meant to them and what how it felt to them Mm -hmm. and then the way that it was communicated to me. Right, the story throughout Mm -hmm. the time, throughout generations. Right. And then the relationship I have with speaking Spanish, not speaking Spanish, mm-hmm. people that speak Spanish in my family, people that don't, right. has become, right, a le- is passed down. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, the final point in our article this week was about self-led action and its importance. Heather, this article really built on its ideas. So it's talking about self-led action based on our sub-personalities, our parts. Mm-hmm. What did you think about when we read that? Okay, so if we're going to examine these parts and realize these bias that we carry. I think it's easy to say, oh, I'm just going to be aware. Well, that's not what this article is calling us to do at all. It's saying, what is the action step that you're going to identify? And are you going to make a shift and change? Or is it something that you want, you can recognize and say, it's a piece of me and there are other parts that balance that out. Mm -hmm. Maybe for some people, awareness is, you and I have spent a lot of time doing this uh, relatively compared (laughs) to other people. We've spent a good amount of time reflecting on ourselves, reflecting on our bias, reflecting on our interactions with people, there are a lot of people who have not spent time doing that. Right. So maybe awareness in some contexts is... Well, and maybe them gaining awareness is an action step. They have to go and seek out someone that they can do that with because in the world that they've created for themselves, there isn't enough diversity to create reflection or or introspective thought. Right. They'd have to go look for that. The way that I read it was that each one of our parts might help us to better identify an action step that would be purposeful and hold meaning for us. Mm -hmm. That if I examine, you know, maybe I would talked about my earrings. Maybe I need to go find the, dig out those earrings. Wear them. And wear (laughs) them and feel confident and think no one around here thinks I look like Selena. Right. And just wear, rock those earrings. Right. That reflecting on that part might help me to identify some action steps that I could take that would be meaningful. That's a a good way to look at it. I think too, looking at me, the counselor, me, the supervisor, there's even parts within that. Oh, absolutely. 
Absolutely. And reflecting on those parts might then lead me to some action steps. Yes. I think prior to reading this, I thought, I think I'm already taking some action steps. I'm not sure what else I could be doing. I'm a little stumped. Mm-hmm. It didn't seem like there were there was an obvious action step that was just jumping out at me that was right. saying, Sarah, go diversify your website. Right. right. Okay. And? Well, <laughs> maybe this will help me. Right. Lead me to something that I do feel like holds a lot of meaning for me and maybe for the people around me. Right. I like that. Um, thanks today for listening to Supervision with a Vision. You've been listening to Supervision with a Vision. Head on over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. Be sure to check us out on Facebook and Instagram at Therapy Academy to join the conversation and get show notes. We'll be back next week with more Supervision with a Vision.